Welcome to the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition podcast. This is a special session for Malnutrition Awareness Week, October 5th through 9th, 2020, where we're going to be discussing a paper, a tutorial actually, on the development and implementation of a multidisciplinary preoperative nutrition optimization clinic. We'll be speaking with first author David Williams on behalf of his colleagues at the Duke Perioperative Enhancement Team, POET, directed by Paul Wishmeyer. Welcome, David. I'm interested in hearing about your work. We know that malnutrition is one of the greatest problems facing us uh, as nutrition experts, even in the developed world, of course. We know that a third to 50% of patients who enter the hospital are malnourished. And among those who are adequately nourished, 38% will become malnourished during their hospital stay. We also know that we aren't good at catching those patients. We're certainly not getting diagnoses on one-third to 50% of these patients. You're looking, though, specifically at the preoperative nutrition period. Tell us what your work is involved with and what your rationale was. Sure. So along those same lines, uh, in the perioperative space, we are not doing a great job identifying patients who are malnourished before they come for surgery. And we know that patients who are malnourished at the time of surgery have an increased risk for adverse postoperative outcomes, including complications, including infection, decreased or increased hospital length of stay, increased hospital cost, increased readmission rates, which overall leads to a poor patient quality of life. And so inspired by this, the clinic was established so that we can identify patients who are at risk for malnutrition or currently have malnutrition and provide them with a a meaningful nutritional intervention prior to their surgery with the hope of improving their surgical outcome. All right. So when you you looked at this issue, what is it that you tried to do then? You wanted to identify them, but then also intervene before surgery, right? Yeah. So this process starts with us identifying patients as far upstream from their surgical date as possible. And that's in coordination with the surgeon and with our overall perioperative anesthesia and surgical screening clinic, the PASS clinic. And so patients are screened. The criteria include decreased PO intake prior to evaluation, weight loss, their BMI. We take into consideration their albumin level as a marker of surgical risk. And we call this the perioperative uh, nutrition screen, the PONS. And any patient who tests positive for PONS, they receive a consultation with our in-house dietitian. The dietitian then does a more thorough evaluation of their nutritional status, and uh, she puts them on a preoperative nutrition plan that we implement over seven days preoperatively. Okay, if we back up a little bit, tell me about the PONS. We know when it comes to screening methods that we want to make sure that they're very simple to administer, they can be administered by someone who's not a nutrition professional, and that they are validated. What is your screening tool based on? Yeah, so in the perioperative space, we don't have a validated tool to assess for malnutrition. We have tools for patients who are inpatient, 
But for patients who are coming for surgery, we don't have a way that's been validated to assess their nutritional status. And so the PON score, the perioperative nutrition screen, is our way to try to rectify that issue. And so we screen patients based on criteria that are common to other screening tools, such as BMI, weight loss, food intake. And that allows us to identify patients who may be at risk for malnutrition. So that sounds quite a bit like the malnutrition universal screening tool, or MUS, which we know is is very easy and meets those three criteria I talked about. When the dietitian is consulted, is there a particular assessment technique that she or he is using? So she's doing a more in-depth analysis of the patient's food intake, the patient's access to food, the quality of food that the patient is taking, and then putting that in the context of their underlying disease state. Okay, very good. So that would involve perhaps the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics or the Aspen malnutrition criteria, I suspect. Right. Okay, very good. So then seven days of treatment prior to surgery if they're found to be at some kind of nutrition risk or some level of malnutrition, right? Yes. And what did that involve? So seven days prior to surgery, we suggest that the patient take immunonutrition. As the literature suggests that uh, there's an association between patients who consume immunonutrition for seven days prior to surgery and an improvement in surgical outcomes when compared to patients who didn't. And what was involved in that immunonutrition? Was it an oral nutrition supplement? Yes. So these are oral nutritional supplements that the patients consume three times a day. Okay. And with regard to the immune-enhancing nutrients, I'm imagining arginine, omega-3 fatty acids. What were the special immunonutrients? Yes, correct. So it's arginine and omega-3 fatty acids, we believe, will enhance or boost the immune system. Okay. So we get up to the day of surgery. Tell us what happens then in your work. So a patient comes in for surgery, they undergo their surgical encounter, and then postoperatively, they are seen by a dietitian in-house uh, who's a separate dietitian from the one who saw the patient preoperatively. And the goal is to sort of continue this perioperative nutritional care. So if the patient is able to eat, the dietitian recommends their diet. If the patient is MPO, because of you know the surgical procedure itself, then the dietitian recommends uh, that either the patient get started on TPN or some enteral nutrition. But that's really based on how the procedure went and also just the nature of the procedure. Sure, of course. Now, what did you find then when you look at comparing these two patients that worked in this specialized nutrition program? So this paper describes how to establish such a clinic and sort of the reasoning behind putting a clinic like this in place. So what we did was we retrospectively looked at the patients who came through our clinic and tried to estimate how many of these patients would be malnourished just based on historical data. And that gave us a sense of the volume of patients to expect through our clinic. And then once we established the need for an in-house dietitian uh, specifically for this clinic, we were able to screen close to 250 patients at the time the paper was written. And we came to the conclusion that one of the markers or the criteria that was identified in this patient population common to, to most patients was weight loss 
and decreased PO intake um, at the time of evaluation. This is allowing us to identify a patient population that's at risk for malnutrition and begin them on a, a preoperative intervention before they come for surgery. We are currently in the process of now tracking these patients after they've gone through our preoperative program to see how their outcomes were. Very good. You know, I think that that last piece is so critical because we know that the transitions of care are often when many of these malnourished or at-risk patients are not getting the nutrition care that they need. So you said that they'll meet with a dietitian when they're inpatients following this surgery. But what specifically are you doing to make sure that that nutrition care is transitioned to the next step in their convalescence? So the dietitian automatically receives a consult for any patient who has gone through our preoperative nutrition program. And so that ensures that that patient is not forgotten about once they're admitted to the hospital. And so because all of this is electronic, the dietitian in the hospital is able to get a sense of the preoperative nutrition optimization program that was put in place for this patient. And in the context of that patient's surgery and their expected recovery period, is able to make high-protein supplements as a suggestion uh, during their recovery period. Okay, well, I think it's going to be really interesting when you do have the data to be able to see how those patients did. And am I right in that two will be compared to your historical control group? Yes, that's the, that's the plan. We plan to validate the PON score to show that it is a, a valid way to identify uh, malnourished patients preoperatively. And then to be able to use the PON score once these patients are identified, to then track their surgical outcomes. Yeah, very good. You know, I was going to also ask you about that PON score because that's a screening tool, right? Yes. Ideally, what you'll want it to see is that it's capturing both patients who are malnourished but, and at risk, but also have the uh, ability to make sure that there's no false negatives. Right. And right. so do you, are you planning on using the PON score as an assessment and replacing the assessment, or is it going to truly be a screening tool which will always then be followed by an assessment? The plan is for it to just be a screening tool so that we can identify broadly as many patients as possible who may be at risk. And then once identified, once they screen PONS positive, to then do an assessment. Okay, very good. You know, it might be real nice for you guys to work in validation of the nutrition assessment tool that the dietitian is using, particularly if it's the newer AND Aspen criteria. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and, you know, it's very similar to subjective global assessment, but um, it would be a great opportunity to look at that in this perioperative assessment of patients. Okay, so yep. let's talk about take-homes. We know that a great number of patients entering the hospital, one-third to one-half, are malnourished. It doesn't sound like it's any different in pre-surgical patients. Is that correct? What was the actual level that you found? Uh, malnourished patients, around, yes. around 40 to 60% of patients. Okay, so very much like we've seen in so many other patient populations uh, entering right. the hospital. We also know that malnourished patients do less well. They have increased complications, increased length of stay, increased cost of care. But you are looking at this systematic intervention 
wherein we can provide nutrition support prior to that critical period of surgery. Are you combining it with any ERAS issues? Like, are you following an ERAS protocol with it wherein they're getting a carbohydrate load right before surgery and that kind of thing? Right. For certain procedures, particularly colorectal surgery, uh, we have an ERAS pathway uh, that's been well-established here, and nutrition does fit into that. But as it stands, we are using this program on all patients who are coming for elective uh, non-cardiac surgery, um, not just patients who are on our ERAS protocol. Let's just finish up by talking just a bit more about that continuity at discharge. That dietitian is consulted, and then depending on what is assessed and the intervention is then going to be to be tailored specifically for the patient. Is that correct? Correct. So that's not going to be a systematic three cans of the oral nutrition supplement today, but more individualized. Yes. So the goal is to have an individualized patient-specific post-operative nutrition plan. And okay, great. that takes into account the patient's access to food and the patient's ability to be compliant with this plan once they actually leave the hospital. So one of our goals is not only to identify patients preoperatively who may be at risk for malnutrition and intervene on malnutrition prior to surgery, continue that nutritional care through the perioperative period, but then set them up with ideally a, a lifelong path to improve their nutritional status well beyond their surgical experience. Very good. Congratulations. This is important work. We know that in order to get nutrition care optimized, we need to have policies and procedures in place. And it's great to see you and your colleagues within the Duke Perioperative Enhancement Team developing and implementing a procedure in these perioperative patients. Congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Please remember that October 5th through 9th is Malnutrition Awareness Week, and this is a great opportunity for us as nutritional professionals to go to our non-nutrition colleagues and share the data with them that malnourished patients do less well and that we have many, many malnourished patients in our hospitals and being discharged where and we need to continue to provide that care. For additional resources, please go to nutritioncare.org forward slash M-A-W. Before concluding, I'd like to thank Abbott for their support of this podcast.